This is a download from News Talk 106 to 108. To download other programs or for more information, go to newstalk.ie. Well, of course, it's Wednesday and it's time for movies. We're here, as you know, in the wonderful surroundings of Rathmullen House Hotel in Donegal. Uh, Philip Malloy couldn't make it, so I <laughs> grabbed him yesterday off his horse uh, and he dispensed with his Stetson and we recorded the thoughts of the great man. Mm. Philip Malloy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Shorsha. Um, just, we're in Donegal, filmmaking country or not? In, in, in Donegal, um, do you know something? Um, there was a huge spread in one of the Sunday papers. I think it was the Observer. Um, well, first of all, it was about the credit system that the uh, British government now gives to movies that are made in the UK. But one of the areas that has has really kind of developed is the north of Ireland. And obviously... Uh, Donegal uh, might be missing out on well, that. They, they might be. They might be. I, I wonder generally, is Ireland missing out? Are we competing with the UK? Um, but in recent, uh, recently we saw Jimmy's Hall, which was the Ken, Ken Loach film. And God, George, the, okay, it was shot on film, first of all, as opposed to being shot on digital. And it was just, <laughs> the, the Irish countryside was just wonderful. You would, yeah, I mean, you'd be sort of thinking about nabbing someone from the tourist board and say, send that out all over the world. And you might think the same about locations in Donegal, but yeah, there haven't been that many movies made in Donegal. All right, because I was in Glen Bay National Park on a, on a previous occasion, and it is just stunning. Mm. I mean, it's quite stunning. Mm. We're up here on the shores of Loch Swilly, of course, but uh, Philip is with me. Um, now, you went to see a movie which who, the box office no. is greater than um, any other movie no, first, made no, in history. For, for, okay, first of all, what you're talking about, obviously, is Mrs. Brown's Boys, the movie, and we haven't seen it because, oh. no, we haven't seen it because this is the way Universal in particular operates, and they're not showing it until Thursday, which is the day before it opens. I'm not sure what the rationale behind that is. Maybe it's something to do with, um, I don't know, piracy or whatever. But anyway, they're not showing it until Thursday, so we won't see it until then. But uh, as you probably know, um, it's based on the sitcom and based on a character which um, which Brendan O'Carroll, the comic Brendan O'Carroll, has been covering, I suppose, on the stage, in books, on DVD. I think there were about seven DVDs. And in this British sitcom, which is now into its fourth series, uh, her name is Agnes Brown. She's a, a Dublin sort of stallholder, a, a Moore Street sort of type of woman. And the, 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 the sitcom, and I suppose the sitcom is the reason for um, this movie, the success of the sitcom, uh, is shot uh, for some reason, I don't know why, but it's shot for some reason in BBC in Glasgow, and it's shot in a sitcom situation whereby he actually, him and the rest of the cast basically play to an audience. And uh, so it's it's very, very limited. And what they've done now for the movie is open the whole thing out. And they shot it in, in Dublin um, uh, last year. I think it cost about $3.8 million. And... Um, it's it's basically it's about this stall holder, this woman, and her stall is under threat. The stall in Moore Street. It sounds like a very sort of commonplace um, sitcom to movie kind of idea, and uh, her stall under threat from this ruthless developer. And it's about her basically getting all her friends together to fight it. Now, you, you, I don't know if you know much about Mrs. Brown's Boys, but the movie has been very, or the TV series has been very strongly critic, um, criticised by uh, critics everywhere. I saw a line from an Irish independent review which said 
uh, that the series actually made you uh, mildly ashamed to be Irish. And it's full of, it's in that sort of uh, Dick Emery, uh, Les Dawson type vein. Well, it's, you see, it's interesting because I hate it. Mm. I mean, I only saw yeah. one episode yeah. and couldn't yeah. have watched it again. Maybe we're being snobs because, like, I remember you mentioned no, Dick Emery. But, but George, just on that, just, yeah. I, I, I've, you know, I've heard that again and again. Humor is kind of maybe the most, uh, um, in terms of making a connection with someone, uh, yeah, the, the most emotional way probably is true humor. Mm. And either you like it, it makes you laugh, or it doesn't make you laugh. It didn't make you laugh. That's that's a fair position to take. It okay. didn't make you or laugh. It didn't make me yeah. laugh. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> can I just neatly move away from Mrs. Yeah. Brown just for a yeah. second? Yeah. What does a 15 certificate mean on a movie? Well, it means that um, uh, that. Well, it's, 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 it's limited to over 15. Oh, I see. Yeah, I yeah. thought I was at a movie in Cork after the golf on Saturday. But you can get 15 is accompanied, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. I thought it meant that nobody over the age of 15 would possibly want to watch <laughs> this movie, all right? Because, well, uh, let me tell you, hmm. it is 22 Jump Street. Yeah. I brought my two grandchildren to it. And... I did. It didn't raise a titter mm. of a smile with me. I thought it was awful. Mm. It was crude. Mm. Um, it was. I mean, a, a transition year you student could have written this. Yeah, script. and you know something. And it's interesting that you raised the certificate. Um, it's uh, okay. It's 15s in this country, but it's what they call R-rated in America. This and is it an should R- be. R-rated it should comedy. be. Yeah, but even even at that, uh, what they've done. Okay, uh, the uh, the rating is supposed to be a rating. It's supposed to be a rating and what they've done with these comedies now in America is they made them almost into a brand name which means that they have a certain amount of uh, crude humor and uh, nudity oh, okay. and all the other kind of stuff in but, them. But and, I mean, and, uh, and generally speaking, I think they're failures. They, as as comedies, okay. they don't work. You, you and I rather fancy ourselves as scriptwriters, and really, we cannot. I don't, believe, you we do, do, I so. don't. You we do. cannot believe why Hollywood hasn't come calling to our door. No, but let's talk about the script at the moment for mm. for uh, Jump Street. The F word is probably used every 25 seconds. Now, that to me is a failure in writing. It is is a failure in the ability uh, to actually be committed. The the comedy is supposed to be in the fact that he said F. Do you know what I mean? You're supposed to find that funny. Now, I, I... I think I don't think something wrong with you if you found that funny. Yes, yeah. and I brought Not my grand- I brought my grandchildren. Was I was allowed to accompany them, you see, yeah. and I was horrified. Now they seem to be okay. They don't seem to be emotionally scarred for the rest. What of ages are you talking? They're under fifty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. the big problem is they may be emotionally scarred. I mean, they may be uh, when they're forty-five. They may have great difficulties in coping with life because they watch twenty-two. No, I don't think straight. so. I don't but, think so. Uh, but some mothers do. Have no, Mrs. Brown's voice. Sorry, wrong well, film. Yeah. Is that crude also? No, it is. I mean, and I, I saw Brendan O'Carroll on uh, the Graham Norton show last weekend, and it was very, very interesting the way they did it. Graham Norton starts, I think it's half ten at night, and they had Don Johnson and a couple of others on with him. And what they did was they brought the other guests on first, so uh, in order to, to bring O'Carroll on as late as possible. So they brought him on later, and... I'm, I have to say, he used... That, he had some lines. No, he, did. He, did. he did, he did. So things have changed very, very dramatically, you know. And, and again, um, okay, might, some people might consider it a bit, a bit outrageous, and it might have been funny in that kind of way. But it, the thing is, it, when you get into that sort of 
crudity. Basically, it just hammers the wit out of a situation mm. or All out right. of an expression. But or having out of a said this, you're going to see it on Thursday. Yeah. So you no, okay. As, I, as I've said it's to you, it's, it's kind of it's what they call it's what the British used to always call end of the pier humour, which is British kind of seaside postcard type humour, and it's it's maybe it's a bit like the kind of humour that we okay. used to get in the old Carry On films, except that this is much more crude than anything you saw from Sid James or Kenneth Williams right. or Kenneth Connor or any okay. of those. I don't know why we're wasting yeah. time on it. Walking yeah. on sunshine. Have you Walking seen on that? sunshine. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's what they call a jukebox musical. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Okay, and it's very. Um, I suppose what you'd say is, it, it, I actually spoke to Greg Wise, who's one of he's, he's Emma Thompson's husband, and he's in it, and he actually had the best part in it. We spoke to him for the picture show, and he agreed that what it was was basically it was a, the, a transfer of Mamma Mia from um, from Greece to Italy and uh, that's really what it is and what they do is they take a collection of songs from the 80s and uh, I put down some of the songs there uh, uh, do, you, do You Want Me uh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun Power of Love Venus, um, all of these, and, and what they do is they build a very kind of light um, storyline around them. The storyline basically is about this girl, this English girl who goes to Puglia in, um, in Italy on a holiday. She meets this guy and falls in love with him, and then decides, she announces, he wants her to stay, she announces that she's going back to England to go to college. Three years later, her sister uh, invites her to the same area uh, to, uh, to attend her wedding, and needless to say, she's marrying the fella that she was involved with three years before so that's it it's cheap jolly lively and it's harmless fun i have to say now the one one i really liked is is is, is called it's called cold in july it's set in east texas in 1989 and it's 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 a supremely uh, um, polished i think coming of age tale about three different type of men three at the same so how it starts is um this character he he runs a shop in this kind of small town his name is Richard Dane. He's played by Michael C. Hall. And uh, he uh, kills an intruder coming into his house late at night. And the people around, take a typical sort of Texas reaction, the people around think he's a hero because of it, because he's killed this guy. But he, he, he doesn't, and he's kind of consumed with guilt. He attends the funeral of the guy he's killed, and who turns up at the funeral but the fella's father, played by Sam Shepard. He's an ex-con, and of course he's consumed as well, but he's consumed with the need for revenge. So it's, there's a kind of cat-and-mouse game uh, um, uh, develops around these two. And then what you have... Halfway through the movie, it looks as if they've kind of run out of uh, out of plot because the uh, the father is, is is apprehended by the cops. But what it does then is it kind of rebounds on itself and goes off in a completely new direction. And it's really, really very good, very, very surprising, very, very well made, incredibly well made, in fact. It's a B movie in lots of ways, uh, but it's done with great style and polish. And it's well-structured, I have to say. Knowing Texas as a bit as I do, there are parts of Texas, and some movies did this very well, but mm. you get the small-town feel of some of these places yeah. in Texas that are a million miles away from anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that come into this movie? Well, do you get that uh, no, no. sort of sense of that? Well, huh? to some extent you do. In fact, the thing opens, the very first shot is the camera actually staring into this picture of a, of a Texas sort of horizon. All right. Um, but apart from that, you don't, and mostly because 
I imagine because of, of budgetary reasons. Um, it's a small-scale movie in that regard, but it's incredibly well done. And one thing about it, George, there's uh, halfway through this detective uh, who's also he's a pig-rearing detective. He actually says he rears pigs, and, uh, and he does. And he's played by Don Johnson. And to me, it was an absolute revelation. Uh, to use that old uh, uh, George Raft line about Mae West, he stole everything but the coat hangers in the movie. He was very, very good. That's Don Johnson from Miami Vice. Uh, and he's actually developing a career as a character actor now in late night life. I don't know why he's well into his, well, well, but he's into his 60s, I imagine. And he's very, very good. I would recommend Cold in July. Oh, also, right. the opening then is, a, is John Favreau's um, uh, comedy Chef, How to Train Your Dragon 2, which is an animated film, and the French comedy Under the Rainbow. So as, as most weeks... Um, over the past year is quite a busy week for new releases. All right. Um, now, this uh, superhero stuff, you, you have concerns? About well, I do. I do. Okay, there was a, um, a big piece on uh, the Playlist website uh, recently, and it said, is 22 superhero movies um, over the next uh, four years too much? Now, I have to say, that's 22, 23 superhero movies over the next four years, right? And... Uh, uh, what has happened, George, is, 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 first of all, Marvel Comics was bought in 2009 by Disney. Disney paid $4 billion uh, for Marvel Comics. And what they did in buying that was they bought 5,000 5, comic characters from the comic books of Marvel Comics. And the intention was that they'd make them into movies, into television, uh, into theme parks, into video games. And that's basically what they've done. And they've been more successful. Iron Man, Thor, the Avengers, um, uh, Captain America, they've been much more successful, I imagine, than uh, Disney expected. For instance, Iron Man 3 grossed $1.2 billion at the box office last year. So that's kind of what you're talking about. But as, as usual with Hollywood, we get when, when something works, they just give you more of it and more of it. This is why um, television is now yeah. for... Yeah. for yeah. I, it, it, you know, it, to say it's so discerning is wrong, but it's very no, interesting. Right. It's not young people talking to young people. Mm. When you talk to young people, they are talking about series on television. Now, yeah. they, they might, like disagree with me and they might like Game of Thrones for yeah. argument's sake yeah. but that is not the point that, that, that young people but you talk, you talk I, I spoke for instance to Jim Mickle who's the director of that thing I just referred to Cold in July I spoke to him yesterday and he wants he's a film director that's his fourth film but he wants to work in television because of the opportunities especially presented to him by the cable companies like HBO and AMC and all of those yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, there is now a big, and the, the, the and other... Yeah, sorry, just, just yeah. to say to you, there's a fear of that sort of division of the, uh, of, 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 the, of the film studios making movies for the movies, for the cinema, that are sort of young boy sort of oriented, and the more mature stuff then being made on television. Yeah, but you see, when you watched, when I first watched television, I mean, the screen was probably about 16 yeah. inches, so yeah. therefore, if you put anything major on it, it was lost on television. Yeah. You had to go to a cinema. Actually, uh, actually, I was down in Wexford at the weekend, and I was down in a place called the Farmer's Kitchen, which is on the Rosslyer Road, and they had I was watching the World Cup and they had it about on a, a seven inch screen <laughs> it was very hard to watch it yeah whereas now with you're getting high definition or mm. you're getting Blu-ray or you, the technology of television yeah. is now so good 
that is the equivalent of, of watching a movie in a, in a yeah, cinema. Yeah, and one of the things about, uh, that you're talking about the technology, one of the things about all of the advances in technology, okay, for a while they, were, they made things very, very expensive, but it's gone the other way now, and it's possible to do um, movies, maybe small-scale movies, for television or the cinema in a very sort of polished way for less and less, you know? When television first came out as a threat to the movies mm. way back in the 50s and the 60s, actors, film actors, directors, everybody sort of wouldn't work on it because it was on right. a low, low class as well. No, now you have the very best one to yeah. work on television. No, it, you have an example of No, it's gone, yeah. It's gone sort of in the other, other direction. One of the things, as you say... Um, Network television came in in America in the late 40s, and then what happened uh, throughout the early 50s in, in particular, for instance, um, you had uh, you had the, the, the coverage of, of certain kind of Senate hearings on, live on TV. You had a World Series in America in 1952. You had, a, uh, you had an election in 52, when I think Eisenhower was 52, wasn't it? He was, so what, what tended to happen was uh, all these kind of television events tended to grow and television grew with them. And then towards the end of the 50s, uh, in, in the mid-50s, what they did was initially throughout the 50s, they, they, started, they were broadcasting from New York in America. And what happened, and the, partly the reason for that was the film studios on the West Coast, they had refused to, to cooperate with them. They saw them as the enemy, basically. But first of all, Disney, and then uh, Warner Brothers, and then some of the others fell basically one by one, and they started to, to produce um, a television product. And by, the, by, say, 58, 59, in the 58, 59 season on network television, for instance, uh, there were 32 Westerns in primetime on, on American television, which is amazing. And eventually the Western died out as far as television was concerned, partly for the reason we're talking about with, the, with the, those, uh, those superhero movies. They flooded the market. But anyway, what was your point? What was the well, question? Well, no, yes. I understand Spielberg is going to be working on television, for instance. He's well, got something yes, up, no, that, he? no, yeah, no, that's a good point, actually. Um, he's, he's acquired the television rights. Oh, there was, you, you probably saw that the Tonys um, were presented uh, a couple of weeks ago. And one of the... Um, one of the... the, the, the the, the, um, the, the plays, sorry, that won a Tony, that won several Tonys, was all the way, starred Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston, who's obviously from Breaking Bad, and he won a Tony Award. The, the play itself won an award, and he won an award for Best Actor, and he won it for playing um, Lyndon Johnson. And it's, basic, it's the story of the early years of the Johnston um, regime, from the assassination of President Kennedy, the passing of a raft of civil rights legislation, then, then his landslide. He, he wasn't, as you know, George, he wasn't elected initially after President Kennedy was killed in Dallas in 1963. Um, he remember him being sworn in on the plane coming back to from Dallas to Washington, and uh, so he wasn't elected. Uh, strictly speaking, until uh, whatever it was, 1964. But the thing about, um, about him, I've read several biographies of him, and it's a fascinating story, but the thing about him is that he... Um he was he was he was a wheeler dealer in the Senate for years, and he was he was one of the most accomplished wheeler dealers. And when you see um, uh, uh, TV movies and movies generally about uh, politicians like that, they tend to be based a lot on um, on Lyndon Johnson. But he was um, one of the things about Kennedy was Kennedy obviously was from the Northeast, and he wanted uh, he needed someone to help him to win the Southern vote, the Texas vote, and the vote throughout. And what he did was. 
he brought in Lyndon Johnson. Even though Johnson and him and didn't get on. had nothing no, in common. Not nothing in common. Not, absolutely nothing Johnson in common. Was, Johnson was a very crude man. Yeah. yeah. The, there was a movie you remember with Johnson, which was about Vietnam, in which Alec Baldwin played the part of the, the ex-Ford executive who kind of masterminded the carpet bombing and all oh, that. Oh, yes. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, I yeah, forget yeah, the name of that yeah, movie. Yeah. It was but, a TV movie. Yeah. 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 But um, So Spielberg is going to make this. So, uh, so there seems to be a sort of growth of interest in Lyndon Johnson. At the moment as well, there's a film called uh, Selma being made, which is basically, it's about the civil rights marches in the 60s. And uh, he's crucial to that. He's at the center of that in that he brought in an awful lot of, he surprised people in some ways in in his liberal approach to American politics. And he brought in uh, a lot of civil rights legislation um, at that time. And he's been played in Selma uh, by the English actor Tom Wilkinson. So the two of those are coming out. First of all, uh, Spielberg has bought the rights to um, uh, all the way, and all the way will be made as a miniseries, I think, for HBO, for one of the uh, cable companies, anyway. And as okay. I say, at the same time, Selma is coming out. They expect Selma out before Christmas, and it's likely to be in the running for Oscars. All right, well, Path to War was the film. Path with, to War, yeah. Yeah, yeah with yeah. Johnson. Now, there was a film called, I think, Henri Blondin, uh, and, or Blondel. He was one of the great tightrope walkers yeah. and when I was a kid he walked Blondin was it Blondel or yeah, Blondel yeah. Yeah, yeah and he walked across the Niagara Falls oh on yeah I remember that. yeah I remember that yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. now you've got and consequently well, been, I've been yeah. I love the circus yeah. so I love wire walkers and yeah. the circus well this is okay first of all you've got a film yeah well is it, first of all it was a documentary called Man on Wire and it won an Oscar and it's about this higher, high wire um, act act I've got expert I suppose his, his name was Philippe Petit and he walked the tightrope between and this is obviously between before the two twin towers were blown up but he walked the tightrope tight between the twin towers um, at the World Trade Center in, uh, in New York in 1974 and now it's been redone as, as, as a feature film and it's been directed by Robert Zemeckis who you remember did Flight with Denzel Washington there a couple of years ago and Zemeckis is writing and directing it now Man on wire it was kind of stru- it was one you should try and get it George it's structured like a heist movie you have this kind of rare footage of the preparation for the event uh, you have still photographs of the walk which lasted for an hour and then you have reenactments and interviews with the participants what's happening with the uh, live action version is Joseph Gordon-Levitt who you may recall was Abe Lincoln's son in Lincoln he's in it and um, uh, and then Ben Kingsley is in it, and James Badge Dale, that you may recall from the, the Band of Brothers sequel, Pacific, he's in it as well. So uh, they're in pre-production at the moment, and I have to say I'm seriously looking forward to it. I hope it is at least as good as the documentary. But try and get the documentary. It's called Man on Wire. All right. Now, um, do you, you've, you've got a biopic with Myrtle Streep. I thought Myrtle Streep had retired. No, no, she's not. In fact, she's, uh, she's, she's busier than ever. What she's, she's doing is, okay, over the years she's made quite a few movies with uh, Mike Nichols, the director Mike Nichols. She made Silkwood, Heartburn, Postcards from the Edge, and recently she made Angels in America, which was made for HBO. I Sorry, can I stop yeah. you? 
there. Mike Nichols, is he the guy who did The Graduate? Is it that's that him, Mike Nichols? That's him. That's it. You were reading about him in that book that we talked yeah, about, yeah. Mark Harris's book. Yeah. Okay. okay. So uh, it is. So post, he's still going strong. No, he's absolutely. Uh, he directs a lot for stage now, but he's still going, and, and some television, but he's still going strong. So anyway, he's making um, um, a movie. Starring Meryl Streep, ba- Streep, based on the, uh, the the story of Maria uh, Callas. Okay, and he's based based on her story. Apparently, um, in the early 70s, she actually spent some time as a tutor. Do you know the famous Juilliard School in New York? Singing isn't my strong. Okay, part. well, it's not singing and just singing. It's acting, and uh, it's for it's and for. Callis was there. Yeah, Callis was there at the time. So what this will do is it'll home in on her period at the Juilliard School, and it will partly tell her story um, in flashback. Um, now, uh, Street. Can I stop you for a yeah, minute? Yeah. What's gripping about the Maria Callas story other well, than she married Onassis? No, well, it was apparently she. I, I don't know, but I, I, I remember the Onassis stuff, but I, she had a very turbulent life, apparently. All kinds of strange things um, happened to her. But hold on now. The yeah. other thing here is, if yeah. you go back, mm. and I am going back a bit, but, but I think there's method in my madness. Mm. You, you go back to, to um, the King and I, for instance, and Deborah Carr. Mm. Uh, you, you go back to a pile of movies. All where of those movies, the Actors didn't sing, didn't sing. Are you suggesting? No, I'm not only suggesting. I'm saying, first of all, that Meryl Streep has sung repeatedly. Even in movies like Mamma Mia, she's sung repeatedly. We mentioned Postcards from the Edge. She's sung in Postcards from the Edge. And she has a lovely voice. But I don't know. Hold on. Hold on. Will you just hold off for a minute? All right, I'm holding. I'm saying saying I don't know if the voice is of Maria Callas type standard uh, or if it's, you know, if it's operatic and up for that kind of character. But anyway, maybe they will use, maybe they will dub it. Maybe it's not, uh, maybe she d- isn't required to right. sing as much in it um, as okay. you might expect. What was the name of your one who dubbed Deborah Carr in The King and I yes, and yes, dubbed yes. Uh, most importantly in My Fair Lady? I'll think of it in a second. Yeah, she dubbed My Fair Lady. And I think these incredible. Uh, women particularly, yeah, don't get any it. credit. Yeah. Don't get any credit. It's really unfair. Yeah. And she was wonderful. She's done a stack. Marnie Nixon. Marnie Nixon. Yeah. In fact, we ought to in the coming weeks. No, we'll look, do a piece on her. Let's do a piece uh, on her. Let's do a piece there, on her. No, let's do a piece on her. And what we'll do is we'll get um, some Stephen, of the music. No, we get Stephen, the producer, to actually get some of the sound. Exactly. Yeah, Sounds yeah. like That's a, a one, great it? idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we could sing maybe. Oh, there they Bottom has fallen out of the idea. The idea is dead. <laughs> it's on the floor. We could sing. Right. I tell you. Um, Can we just say as well, by the way, right, that a, another Streep story, um, um, Mamie Gummer, whom you know, because she turns up regularly as a lawyer um, in The Good Wife, she appeared with her mother, who is Meryl Streep. Uh, she actually appeared with her went at the age of two in Heartburn with Jack Nicholson as well. And they haven't appeared together since, but they're now making a movie called Ricky and the Flash. And Streep will play this rock and roll uh, groupie in it who chased her dreams as the Americans say, would say at the cost of her relationship with her family and it's about her now coming back uh, to, to, to be right. with her family okay. so uh, Mamie M- 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 Gummer and Streeper in that they're making right. that well there's a, there's a singer at the moment who's, who's like callous impossible she's called Angela Giorgio and I saw her in the National Concert Hall she's a great voice but apparently she's uh, you uh, recommend her to dub uh, Merle Streep yeah that's okay. who I okay. get Angela okay. Giorgio okay. uh, but 
but she's a diva. All right, well, there's, of course, there's Angela George, who is a diva, Philip Malloy is a diva. Oh, yeah. and, and George Hook, most of all, is a diva. <laughs> we'll be back next Wednesday, of course, with more from the movies. Thanks for listening to this News Talk 106 to 108 podcast. To download other programs or for more information, go to newstalk.ie.